Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight marks 75 days until the election, and it's the final night of the Democratic National Convention. But the other big story, President Trump's former top White House advisor accused of ripping off donors in a scheme to build a southern border wall. Steve Bannon taken off this 152-foot yacht, owned by a Chinese billionaire and taken into custody. How prosecutors say he stole a million dollars from thousands of donors. Plus how this triple amputee war veteran allegedly used donations to buy a boat, a golf cart, and cosmetic surgery. Tonight, the president responds. I didn't like that project. I thought that was a project that was being done for showboating reasons. 2020 America decides tonight Joe Biden gives the speech 50 years in the making, the message he hopes will win over voters. Dangerous wildfires raging across California, firefighters scrambling to control the blaze, at least two killed in the rescue efforts, plus heroic stories, how one family saved their neighbor's homes. Dr. Fauci undergoes surgery. An update tonight on the health of the nation's top infectious disease doctor. Opening schools safely. Tonight, the Harvard scientist who wrote the playbook on how to get kids back in the classroom. Your questions answered. Putin's poison plot. Tonight, one of the Kremlin's most vocal critics in a coma, fighting for his life. His aides say after sipping a poison cup of tea. And the waiting game. One of America's beloved pandas could give birth at any time. Washington's pandemonium. This is the CBS Evening News.
Mornings with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news on that bombshell federal indictment against Steve Bannon, President Trump's former chief White House strategist, who was once described as the president's ideological soulmate. Well, tonight, Bannon is out on a $5 million bond after pleading not guilty to charges that he used a charity designed to bolster one of President Trump's signature policy goals to line his own pockets. Federal agents arrested Bannon aboard this 152-foot luxury yacht earlier today after prosecutors filed a damning indictment accusing him, along with three other associates, of stealing more than a million dollars from a fundraising campaign designed to build a portion of President Trump's Mexican border wall. Well, tonight, the president is distancing himself from the former architect of his 2016 campaign, saying he hasn't dealt with Bannon for a long time. Well, the explosive charges come at a major moment in this year's campaign, just hours before Joe Biden will take the stage on the final night of the Democratic National Convention to accept his party's nomination for president. Sources say Biden will use his speech tonight not only to attack President Trump's handling of the coronavirus and the economy, but to lay out his vision for how he'd handle the twin crises now affecting our country. There's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight, and we have a team of correspondents standing by to cover it all. CBS's Ben Tracy is going to lead off our coverage tonight at the White House. Good evening, Ben. Nora, good evening. Tonight, the president is trying to distance himself from Bannon and from this wall project, saying that he never supported it and that he was not involved. But the president does have close ties to those who were. Law enforcement sources tell CBS News Steve Bannon was arrested on board this 152-foot luxury yacht called the Lady May off the coast of Connecticut. Fear is a form of action. Bannon apparently was a frequent visitor on the $28 million boat owned by a fugitive Chinese billionaire. Bannon was President Trump's former campaign CEO and chief strategist in the White House, someone he often praised. I like Mr. Bannon. He's a friend of mine. Prosecutors say Bannon ripped off donors who gave to an online fundraising effort called We Build the Wall. The first ever privately constructed border wall. The group raised more than $25 million to construct small sections of wall in New Mexico in support of one of the president's chief policy goals. But prosecutors say Bannon and three other defendants orchestrated a scheme to defraud hundreds of thousands of donors. Bannon is accused of taking more than a million dollars himself. Prosecutors say the group's founder, Brian Colfage, a triple amputee veteran, took more than $350,000 in donations after promising donors he would not take a penny of compensation. Colfage told CBS's David Begno last year that his operation was clean. If we were doing anything wrong, GoFundMe would shut this down in a heartbeat. Prosecutors say tens of thousands of dollars were paid to Colfage through his wife, who flaunted their extravagant lifestyle on social media. The money paid for cosmetic surgery, a luxury SUV, and a brand new boat. Bannon once railed against the Washington swamp to 60 Minutes. The swamp is a, is a business model. But he's now the sixth close associate of Mr. Trump to be criminally charged by the president's own Department of Justice. I haven't been dealing with him for a long period of time, as most of the people in this room know. Today, President Trump distanced himself from Bannon and the border project. I was not involved in the project. I have no idea who was. But several of the president's key supporters were on the group's board. Eric Prince, the brother of Trump's education secretary, Betsy DeVos, former Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark, and former Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach. What you guys are doing is pretty amazing. 
and his own son, Donald Trump Jr., helped raise funds for the wall project last year. This is private enterprise at its finest. In another legal setback for President Trump today, a federal judge has ruled that he must turn over tax documents to the Manhattan District Attorney. Now, the president's lawyers say they will once again appeal that ruling, which means those documents likely won't be made public before the election. Nora. Ben Tracy at the White House, thank you. Tonight we're getting a sense of what Joe Biden plans to say when he accepts the Democratic nomination for president without the traditional big crowds at the party's virtual convention. Senior advisors tell us Biden's focus will be the battle for the soul of America. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. On the biggest night of Joe Biden's political life, there won't be thousands of cheering Democrats celebrating his nomination because of the pandemic. But he'll take the mantle in his hometown of Wilmington, the highlight of his near 50-year quest for the White House. His acceptance speech will look ahead rather than back at President Trump's tenure, outlining what he would do as president to beat back the pandemic and rebuild the economy. He'll be joined by his family, some by video, including son Hunter, who's been the focus of GOP attacks. And he'll get a boost from long range. NBA great Steph Curry will endorse his candidacy. Running mate Kamala Harris's acceptance speech included frank remarks about the pandemic and racism. This virus, it has no eyes. And yet it knows exactly how we see each other and how we treat each other. And let's be clear, there is no vaccine for racism. The sharpest attacks on President Trump came from Barack Obama in a scathing assessment of his successor, unlike any delivered by a former president. For close to four years now, he has shown no interest in putting in the work. No interest in finding common ground. No interest in treating the presidency as anything but one more reality show that he can use to get the attention he craves. The president tweeted his rage as Mr. Obama spoke. And today he laid into Biden on a visit to Pennsylvania, just 15 minutes from the former vice president's birthplace of Scranton. Joe Biden is a puppet of the radical left movement that seeks to destroy the American way of life. But today, more than 70 national security officials from the Reagan, Bush and Trump administrations turned their backs on the GOP and endorsed Biden, saying that Mr. Trump, quote, has demonstrated that he's dangerously unfit to serve another term. Nora. Ed O'Key from Wilmington, thank you. And this programming note, CBS News live coverage of the Democratic Convention begins tonight at 10 Eastern, 9 Central. Hope to see you again. Tonight, there is breaking news in California. Deadly wildfires are raging through the northern part of the state. At least two people have died. More than 100 homes are destroyed and some 50,000 more are threatened. And tonight, the state is asking other states to please send help. Here's CBS's Carter Evans. Tonight, 21 California wildfires are threatening community after community. Hundreds of thousands of people have been told to be ready to leave. In the mountains above Santa Cruz, 20,000 were ordered to evacuate last night. Their fire natos ravaged scores of homes. There are people that are unaccounted for. Much of the greater San Francisco area now has the worst air quality in the world. This smoke is thick and the wind is blowing it across the road right now as firefighters try and extinguish the flames. From space, NASA shows most of California, Nevada, and southern Idaho covered with sickening smoke. Fire crews are stretched thin, and as flames approached Zach Galgan's neighborhood while everyone was evacuating, police had even more bad news. Nobody's going to be on that hill. No fire department, no Cal Fire. Backville Fire can't show up. 
so we might as well do our own job. So he and his sons hiked up the hill behind their home and started cutting a fire break by themselves. Good job, guys. Hey, we probably cut about three quarters of a mile. They worked through the night, and the flames burned right up to their fire break. All I can say is that we did this, we stopped this. Well, the flames burned this home to the ground. It's one of many in this area. Firefighters still don't have a complete count. There is some good news, though. Those record-breaking temperatures are beginning to come down a bit. It's 15 degrees cooler today than yesterday. Nora? That sliver of good news. Carter Evans, thank you. And now to the coronavirus pandemic and new evidence of its toll on the economy. More than 1.1 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week, bringing the total since March to nearly 57 and a half million. Also tonight, colleges and universities in at least 17 states are reporting new COVID cases. Here's CBS's Mola Lenghi. Defying COVID guidelines, large maskless parties last night at Penn State University. Oh, my God. And at Syracuse, that university responding to these videos saying the students who gathered on the quad last night may have done damage enough to shut down campus. Today, North Carolina State announcing 41 new COVID cases. Undergrads are now being sent home. Cases of COVID are now on college campuses in at least 17 states. As an alarming study published today in the Journal of Pediatrics, children up to age 22 are much more likely to be silent spreaders than previously believed. And infected children had significantly higher levels of the virus than even adults hospitalized in ICUs. This as schools across the country face challenges about reopening. In Detroit, teachers protesting going back to the classroom and threatening to strike if forced to return. Resistance from teachers in Arizona. They know it's not safe for my kids to be in class. I trust them with my kids' life. Now New York City, the nation's largest school district, is preparing to reopen next month. It does seem like as soon as you open a school, you start to see COVID cases rise. I don't want to see people catch COVID before we say, oh, that was a bad idea. Well, potentially adding insult to injury, thousands of New York City educators are facing layoffs due to city and state budget cuts, fallout from the struggling economy. Citywide, more than 20,000 public sector jobs are currently in jeopardy thanks to the pandemic. Nora. Mola, thank you. Joining us now is Professor Joseph Allen from Harvard's Chan School of Public Health. His team wrote a playbook on how to safely open schools. Professor, thank you so much. In our Back to School series, we have talked to teachers, bus drivers, custodians, all concerned about safety. How do we get our children back in the classroom? Yeah, so thanks for having me on. And I understand that anxiety. I'm a parent of three kids myself, so I understand this is really difficult. It can't be schools as usual this fall. We can only go back when community spread is under control and when aggressive risk reduction strategies are in place within the four walls of the school. So let's talk about then those ways to mitigate risk. Number one, should mask wearing be mandatory for everybody in the school? Without a question, even masks that are imperfect. Let's say it's 50% efficiency. Well, it goes through my mask first, and then it goes through your mask. 50 and 50, that'll give you a 75% reduction. Not quite an N95, but pretty good. All of these other strategies matter, but the one that drives down risk the most is universal mask wearing. One of the things you focused on is healthy buildings. What can schools do to make sure the building is healthy? With healthy building strategies, we simply mean 
uh, do the things that are necessary to reduce the risk of airborne transmission. One, you bring in more outdoor air to dilute what's in the classroom. That's obvious and intuitive. The other is you want to clean the air through filters. But you're talking about these intricate air filtration systems, ultraviolet lights. Can schools afford that? Well, I think there's a little bit of a misnomer that these healthy building strategies have to be expensive, even as simple as opening up the window and doors to create a crossflow and let some of that air in. Any air that's recirculated has to go through a high efficiency filter. It's really that simple. One of our viewers texted us this question. Lori from New York City asked, what should we look for as a warning sign that our school isn't prepared to open? Yeah, well, you should be getting communication from your school right now uh, about what strategies are in place. My Harvard Healthy Buildings team put out guidance for parents and teachers. 20 questions every parent should ask before you send your kids back to school. You'll see the obvious things. Hopefully everyone's wearing a mask. They must be wearing a mask. You'll see the cleaning. The thing that's harder to evaluate it's something like ventilation and air cleaning, right? It's invisible. So what's going to be key here is that the schools are going to have to communicate effectively what strategies are in place. And if they're not communicating it, well, it's on us as parents to ask those hard questions and get answers to them. Professor Joseph Allen, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Tonight, there's a possible settlement in the long-running legal fight over contaminated water in Flint, Michigan. This began when the state switched Flint's water supply to the Flint River, but did not treat it adequately, allowing lead to leach into the drinking water. Well, Michigan is proposing a $600 million settlement with most of that money going to children. Lead exposure in children is linked to brain damage. Tonight, this incredible story, the most prominent Russian opposition leader is in a coma on a ventilator. Alexei Navalny is the latest enemy of Vladimir Putin to fall victim to possible poisoning. And there may be a connection to the growing protests in neighboring Belarus. Here's CBS's Chris Livesay. The voice of Russia's opposition silenced and on life support after drinking a cup of tea his ally suspect was poisoned. Alexei Navalny became desperately ill aboard a flight forced to make an emergency landing. Groaning can be heard in this unconfirmed cell phone video. Navalny has gained widespread support as an anti-corruption activist with powerful enemies, none more so than Russian President Vladimir Putin, notorious for allegedly using radioactive nerve agents to target double agents, defectors, and others who fall afoul of the Kremlin. Navalny once warned the odds of him winding up dead were high, speaking to CBS News in 2017. 50%. I would be killed or I would not be killed. But the plot thickens here in neighboring Belarus, where President Alexander Lukashenko recently accused Navalny of stirring up these protests against him. Protests against police brutality and recent elections widely seen as rigged by a longtime ally of Vladimir Putin. Chris Livesay, CBS News, Minsk. Tonight, Dr. Anthony Fauci is at home, recovering from surgery today on his vocal cord. The nation's top infectious disease expert, now 79 years old, had a polyp removed and has been advised by his doctors to limit his speaking while his vocal cords recover. According to the Cleveland Clinic, vocal cord lesions are usually benign, and Fauci says he will be back to work on Monday. 
Tonight, tens of millions of Americans in Florida, Louisiana, and Texas are nervously tracking two potential tropical storms. The first is expected to strengthen possibly into a hurricane as it approaches Florida and the Gulf early next week. The second may impact parts of Central America and Mexico before potentially targeting the U.S. Gulf Coast next week. Tonight, new body cam footage is sparking charges of police racism toward a prominent black sports executive. The video shows a sheriff's deputy shoving Toronto Raptors president Masai Ujiri as he went to join his team after winning the NBA championship last year. Now, the deputy claimed Ujiri punched him and has sued. Tonight, Ujiri is countersuing, saying he was saddened by the ordeal and that he would continue to fight for racial justice. Attention, panda fans. And who doesn't love pandas? Well, they're all glued to their screens, waiting to see if Mei Shong gives birth at the National Zoo here in Washington. According to veterinarians, an ultrasound shows it could happen any day. With the zoo partially closed, the panda cam is the best way to keep track and viewership. Well, it's up 800 percent. Now at 22, Mei Shong would be the oldest panda to give birth in the U.S. She already has three cubs. And our best wishes are with Mama Bear. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, Steve Hartman's not on the road. He's on the water with the old man and the seagull. It's the story of a most unlikely friendship. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell, and we will see you later tonight for our coverage of the final night of the Democratic National Convention that starts at 10 Eastern, 9 Central. We'll see you then. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. Okay. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.